There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is. Number 60. How about that? A standing ovation for Roger Maris, who got number 60. Fastball hits deep to right. It's put the hit. Way back there. Holy cow. It's episode two of Baseball 61, a podcast about the 1961 New York Yankees and the 61 baseball season. Hi, everybody. I am Dan Lavallo. A lot of ground to cover in this second episode of the podcast. So we begin with Thursday, April 6th, 1961. First-year manager Ralph Houck, with his Yankees having a horrible spring training, predicts the Yankees will win the pennant. Here's Hauk, quote, The reason I feel confident is that I know we are in better shape and stand better equipped than we did this time a year ago. I know our one lost record has been anything but spectacular, but I've never been concerned about that. Our primary purpose this spring was to get in shape for the pennant race. With this in mind, I'm completely satisfied. Furthermore, I'm prepared to go with what we have and we don't expect any trades. The pitchers were in far better shape than they were a year ago, Hauk said. There isn't a sore arm on the squad. Hauk was also impressed with the showing of Bob Turley in camp. He sang the praises of Whitey Ford. Quote, Whitey's arm hasn't looked this good in the spring and I don't know how many years. He was also pleased with bullpen closer Louis Arroyo, who, during spring training, suffered a hairline fracture on his left forearm. Remember, for those who followed Yankee history, Arroyo is a southpaw. Hauk was also impressed with the, quote, sound physical condition of Mickey Mantle and how well Hector Lopez played in left field. And he was singing the praises of Roland Sheldon, who was named the winner of the James P. Dawson Award for the Yankees' outstanding rookie in camp. Sheldon, a product of the University of Connecticut. Hauk named his starting rotation. It would be Whitey Ford, Bob Turley, Art Dittmar, and Ralph Terry. And he also predicted Jim Coates would make the rotation, although he was ticketed as a middle reliever at the start of the season, along with Danny McDivitt, Johnny James, and Ted Wyand. The uh, Yankees, however, with Hauk at the helm, were very confident, very confident going into the 1961 season. Hauk listed Elston Howard as the number one catcher, but he expected Yogi Berra to play at least 100 games at catcher and in the outfield. Also on April 6th, Phil Wrigley, the owner of the Chicago Cubs, announced that the 1961 Cubs would not have a manager. What? They would be guided by a college of coaches. The Cubs were en route, from San Antonio to Houston when Wrigley asked his vice president, John Holland, to announce the Cubs would not have a manager in 1961. They would have a college of coaches from the club's big league coaching staff and minor leagues. Confused yet? 
under the system, each coach would manage the team for a couple of weeks before handing the managerial assignment over to another coach. In fact, to begin this experiment, unbelievable that they would do this, by the way, but to begin this experiment, the Cubs announced that 44-year-old Vedic Himsel was named head coach of the Cubs. He never played or managed in the major leagues. After his two weeks were up, he'd go back to the minor leagues and be replaced by another member of the coaching board still to be named. So that is what made baseball news on April 6th. Friday, April 7th, the Yankees continue to have all kinds of problems in spring training. Mickey Mantle hits his sixth home run of the season. That gives the Yankees a lead, but then the pitching collapses and they lose to the Cardinals 8-6 to before breaking camp. Because the Yankees and Cardinals trained in St. Petersburg, they played eight times in the spring. The Cards led the series 5-1. to one. The remaining two exhibition games would be in St. Louis. Also, manager Ralph Falk announced that pitcher Duke Moss had reported to the ball club. Pitcher Duke Moss. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of Duke Snyder. But when you hear the name Duke, don't you think of a slugger? Don't you think of a, a, a big, powerful hitter? Well, in this case, Duke Moss was a pitcher, had pitched for the Yankees. Yankees lost him in the expansion draft to the Los Angeles Angels, but then they were able to get him back. And Hawk was quite impressed because word was that Moss was not in shape when he reported to the Angels, but Hawk thought that Moss was in real good shape when the Yankees got him back. Meanwhile, on April the 7th, the Washington Senators were getting ready to open their new season. It would be a new Washington Senators team. The old Washington Senators had moved to Minnesota. In fact, their first game would be against the New York Yankees. The new Washington Senators were opening the following Monday, and they showed up en masse to present President Kennedy, the nation's new president, with his official American League pass. And as President Kennedy was given that pass, he said, quote, if things get tough, you can call on me. The president, by the way, was planning to attend the senator's first game. Saturday, April 8th, 1961. The Yankees and Cardinals continue their exhibition series, but in St. Louis, bitter cold, wind-blown day. I mean, the last thing you wanted to do was play a baseball game, and apparently the last thing many people in St. Louis wanted to do was attend a baseball game, even though the Yankees were in town for an exhibition. 6,718 fans came out and saw the Cardinals batter the Yankees 16-12. to Mickey Mantle got three at-bats in the exhibition game, went one for three with his seventh home run of the exhibition season. Roger Maris, four at-bats, two hits. A couple of items to note here in this exhibition game. First, the Yankees were the home team. And among the pitchers, the Yankees hit hard that day, St. Louis reliever Lindy McDaniel. McDaniel would later become the backbone of the Yankees' bullpen of the late 60s and early 70s. And Yankees pitching coach Johnny Sane rejoined the team. Who knew he was a pilot? I didn't know until I did research for this podcast. But Sane, a renowned pitching coach in his era, flew from St. Petersburg when the Yankees broke camp to his home in Arkansas, and then he drove up with his wife and four children to coach at the game. By the way, Sane was joined on the coaching staff by the legendary third-base coach Frank Rossetti, 
hitting coach and first base coach Wally Moses, and bullpen coach Jim Hegan. Meanwhile, nearby Bush Stadium, and that was uh, the the new name for the Cardinals ballpark because it had undergone a $2.5 million renovation. And so along with the renovation, they changed the name from Sportsman's Park to Bush Stadium. Nearby Bush Stadium, the St. Louis Hawks were playing the Boston Celtics in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Yes, it was April the 8th, and they were already playing the NBA Finals. And the Hawks beat the Celtics 124-120. to Celtics still led that series two games to one. And the Masters Golf Tournament also making news. After three rounds, and the third round was played on this Saturday, April the 8th, Gary Player had a four-stroke lead over defending champion Arnold Palmer. Sunday, April 9th, 1961. Final exhibition game of the season. Yankees-St. Louis Cardinals rained out. So the Yankees, the historic 1961 Yankees, finished the exhibition season with a 9-19 and record. Opening day, two days away. The Yankees would host the Minnesota Twins. The Twins, in their first game in Minnesota, led by their manager, former Brooklyn Dodger Cookie Lavagetto. Franchise, as I mentioned earlier, had relocated from Washington and uh, was replaced by a new expansion ball club. As the Yankees got on their plane, manager Ralph Houck repeated to reporters he wasn't concerned about the terrible spring record and was satisfied with the condition of the team. He said it was especially pleasing to see that Roger Maris had broken out of his spring training slump. Quote, he's hitting the ball hard. Amazing. Imagine that. Houck saying Maris is hitting the ball hard. Now, not even Houck on April the 9th could have predicted that Maris would hit a record 61 home runs. Yankees were returning to New York because the next day, Monday, was going to be a busy day for the Bombers. Uh, There would be a parade up Lower Broadway, a ceremony at City Hall, and a welcome home dinner on New York Yankees Day in the city, as so proclaimed by the mayor of New York, Robert Wagner. Monday, April 10th, it's opening day of the 1961 season, Washington, D.C., Griffith Stadium, the Chicago White Sox against the new Washington Senators. President John F. Kennedy throws out the first pitch. White Sox rally and beat the Senators 4-3. Meanwhile, final round of the Masters, because the final round had been rained out on Sunday, final round was played on that Monday, and Arnold Palmer enters the final hole of the tournament with a two-shot lead over Gary Player, but on the 18th hole, Palmer loses it, shoots a six, and player wins by one shot. And for winning the tournament, player took home $20,000. I want you to keep that in mind because the first place prize money in the 2021 Masters was $2,070,000 to the winner, Hideki Matsuyama, the first Japanese-born player to win the event. And how about that? Because 60 years before, Gary Player was the first foreign player to win the Masters. Meanwhile, the Yankees were supposed to be honored at City Hall. But guess what? It did not happen. The parade up Lower Broadway, the the, the motorcade, the ceremony at City Hall, all rained out. But they did have the welcome home dinner 
and that was held at the Grand Ballroom of the Astor, 1,200 attending, representing Mayor Robert Wagner because Wagner was in the hospital following surgery, was acting Mayor Abe Stark. Baseball fans remember that name? Do the Brooklyn Dodgers fans remember that name, Abe Stark? Yes, he was acting mayor of New York, the same Abe Stark who owned a clothing store in Brooklyn and had the famous sign below the Ebbets Field scoreboard that read, Hit Sign, Win Suit. Also at the dinner, Mickey Mantle and Yankees co-owners Dan Topping and Del Webb were honored. Who would have predicted, by the way, that in three years, Topping and Webb would sell 80% of the ball club to CBS? George Steinbrenner's ownership was still a decade away. So, everything now in place for opening day at Yankee Stadium the next day. Whitey Ford was going to be the starting pitcher. Yogi Berra was going to be the catcher, even though Elston Howard was going to catch most of the games. A crowd of 25,000 was expected at Yankee Stadium. In fact, now that the Senators' White Sox presidential opener was in the books, eight games were on tap for the following day, Tuesday, with some 284,000 fans predicted to attend the games. Largest crowd was forecast for Baltimore, where the Los Angeles Angels were going to make their debut against the Orioles. And let me let you in on something. You can go to YouTube, do a little search, and you will be able to find that game, that game broadcast between the Angels and the Orioles, the first game ever played by the L.A. Angels. fact, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Just go to Baseball61.com, and I will have a link to that game between the Angels and the Orioles, where 45,000 were expected at Memorial Stadium. The San Francisco Giants were about to play year two in Windy Candlestick Park, hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates. Some uh, some 42,000 fans were predicted. 42,000 fans, with Al Dark making his managerial debut for the Giants, and some 37,000 fans were predicted to click the turnstiles when the Tigers open their season against the Cleveland Indians. Not at Briggs Stadium, but the renamed Tiger Stadium. Tuesday, April 11, 1961. Opening day at Yankee Stadium. And in that morning's New York Times, a quarter-page ad was taken out by Ballantine Beer, the Yankees' primary television and radio sponsor. The ad reminded readers that Ballantine was bringing viewers and listeners Yankees baseball for the 15th straight year. Big, bold letters in the ad read baseball and Ballantine. What a combination. Follow the Yankees on WPIX Channel 11 and on radio WCBS 880 and 101.1 FM. Ballantine was also promoting a special on the Yankees to be carried on WPIX-TV at 10.30 that night entitled A Salute to the Yankees. Incidentally, adjacent to the sports pages in the Times was a full-page ad taken out by the Minneapolis, the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. Full-page ad headlined An Invitation to the New York Yankees. The Minnesota Twins cordially invite you to attend a formal reception at Metropolitan Stadium, Minneapolis-St. Paul, Minnesota, on Tuesday, May 2nd, 1961. RSVP, and in parenthesis, bring your own bets. That, of course, is when the Yankees were going to play in Minnesota for the first time. Also, the Times had an interesting story by venerable columnist Arthur Daly, 
who was quoting some of the Yankees players before the game as they took batting practice. Not only were the players talking about how Arnold Palmer blew the Masters, there was an interesting conversation between Mantle and Maris. Apparently, when Mantle got this award at the welcome home dinner the night before, he was called on to speak, called on to make impromptu remarks, never never expected to be called on, and he was shocked. And here's what Roger Maris said about the incident. Quote, I'd have died. If they ever call on me without warning, I won't say a word. Even if I know in advance, they still won't get much. How prescient was that quote from Roger Maris when you see how the season unfolded and he was the subject day after day after day of stories from the media? Pre-game ceremonies took place. The Yankees received their rings for winning the 1960 pennant. And Roger Maris was presented the American League MVP by the New York Daily News writer Dick Young. He got the award because he was the MVP winner in 1960. Young, by the way, was chairman of the New York chapter of the Baseball Writers Association. A group also paraded out to the flagpole in center field, where the first pennant, won by the Yankees in 1921, when they were still playing in the polo grounds, and the last one, won by the Yankees in 1960, were raised. Bronx Borough President James J. Lyons threw out the first ball. Seated in a box alongside the Yankees' dugout were Mrs. Babe Ruth, Mrs. Lou Gehrig, and Mrs. John McGraw. American singer Stuart Foster, born in Binghamton, New York, a baritone, once labeled the, quote, greatest unsung singer, sang the Star-Spangled Banner. He substituted for Broadway star Gordon McRae, who was originally supposed to sing the national anthem. Gordon McRae, whose wife Sheila succeeded Audrey Meadows as Alice Cramden on The Honeymooners. Little factoid for you. Meanwhile, this was the day that Ralph Hawk would begin his official tenure as manager of the New York Yankees. In 1960, he had served as interim manager for a brief period when Casey Stengel was sidelined with an illness, but the 61 Yankees were his team. And when he arrived at Yankee Stadium, he found what was now Stangle's former office redecorated. Gone was Stangle's roll-up desk, used by every Yankees manager since 1923. In its place, a new modern-looking desk. The room had been enlarged and refurbished in gray paneling. And even Houck's daily schedule became the subject of media coverage. He was up at his home in Saddle River, New Jersey at 7 in the morning, left for the stadium at 8.30, and arrived by 9.15 for the 2 o'clock opener. He said even the toll taker recognized him, but he still had to pay the 50 cents to get across the bridge. The major, so-called because of his World War II hero status, particularly due to his courageous actions in the Battle of the Bulge, said he used to arrive at the stadium earlier for games when he was a coach on Stengel's staff so he could talk with Casey. But now he was operating on his own time, although he, he still got to the ballpark at 9.15 for a 2 o'clock ball game. Uh, by the way, as for Houck's debut as Yankees manager, it was a dud. The weather was cold, temperature was in the 40s, little sun, 25,000 did not show up for opening day. Boy, if times changed. 14,607 fans were on hand. The Twins won the game 6 to nothing. Pedro Ramos, 
The same Pedro Ramos who would help the Yankees to their 1964 pennant shut out the Bombers on three hits, singles by Berra, Scourin, and Ford. The game was nothing-nothing through six innings before the Twins scored three runs in the seventh off of Whitey, two in the eighth off of Terry, and one in the ninth off of Jim Coates. Back to Ramos for just a moment. That 1964 season, the Yankees acquired him from the Indians for a player to be named later and $75,000 on September 5, 1964. You read stories about Ramos. He always wanted to be a New York Yankee. And what a stretch he put together in that pennant drive. He, along with rookie Mel Stottlemyre, arguably the reasons the Yankees won it. Ramos went 1-0 with eight saves in 13 games down the stretch. But because he was acquired after the deadline for a player to be eligible for the World Series, he was not able to play in the World Series. And some say his absence cost the Yankees another World Series title in that seven-game loss to the Cardinals. Meanwhile, as the Yankees dropped their season opener to the Minnesota Twins 6 to nothing, the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union had taken a new twist Newspaper headlines roaring that the Soviet Union had placed a man in orbit for the first time. Yuri Gagarin was launched 187 miles into space, making the flight in a five-ton vehicle. Wednesday, April 12, 1961. Yankees didn't have a game scheduled for the 12th, but they did not have a day off either. No, Topping and Webb did not pull a George Steinbrenner General Manager Roy Hamey didn't order Hauk to have the team hold a workout just because the Yankees dropped their season opener. But Manager Hauk did order a workout. At this time of year, you never have a day off, he said. Mainly, I wanted to work the new players to get them accustomed to the stadium. Thursday, April 13th. Rain persisted. The Yankees' afternoon game at the stadium against the Minnesota Twins rained out. Friday, April 14th, Yankees did not have an American League game scheduled, but they did have a game. This was something of a tradition back then. The Yankees journeyed up to West Point to play the Army baseball team in an exhibition game. Yes, these were the days when big league clubs during the season played exhibition games. Unheard of today. The Yankees, whose bats were silenced on Tuesday by the Twins, they came alive. They clobbered the cadets 14 to nothing before 6,000 fans. Hector Lopez and Moose Scourin homered for the Bombers. The highlight for the Army may have been when pitcher Bob Kelly struck out Mantle and Maris in succession. The game was stopped after seven innings because of cold temperatures and an icy wind whipping off the Hudson River. The Yankees did get 18 hits. Think of this. Mantle and Maris, exhibition game, right? Mantle and Maris played the entire game. Have times changed? Next up for the Bombers, and next up, episode three, the Yankees open a weekend series at the stadium against the Kansas City Athletics. That's going to do it for episode two of Baseball 61, the historic 1961 season for the New York Yankees and baseball in 1961. You can subscribe to the podcast in the Apple Podcast Directory or in all the other podcast directories as well. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan LaValle.